Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Unauthorized Disclosure Podcast. I'm Kevin Gastola, joined by Rania Kalik. Hey, Rania. Hey, Kevin. We're pleased to be back with another show, and uh, this week uh, we're going to do a normal episode, and then we'll have some uh, bonus show for people who are patrons. Uh, but for now, uh, we wanted to start with, uh, so you were on Katie Helper's show. I was. Our good friend Katie Helper had me on to talk about Syria, and people got really mad. <laughs> like, yeah. lost their shit. Yes, uh, she she did a thing, uh, as I think is part of her format for her show, where she asked people, and she has a lot of people who pay attention to her show and are engaged, and she asked them, what kind of questions would you like me to ask Rania? And people just took that as permission to be total assholes to you. Well, at first, the questions coming in were, like, good questions of people who just, like, generally like, like to ask questions to Katie's guests. But then as soon as uh, the uh, regime, pro-regime changers got wind that Katie had me on her show, they, like, had a meltdown. Uh, and it just became this, like, incessant trolling campaign against Katie for daring to have me on her show. Yeah, and I just wanted to, because uh, I have it up here, uh, I wanted to, and, and we, I, I re, uh, we retweeted it with the Unauthorized Disclosure account just because for anyone who was following that she had said, uh, can people accusing Rania of whitewashing Assad say what they want Trump's intervention in Syria to look like and who they want to replace Assad? And can they do that without asking me to condemn Rania or asking her to condemn Assad, since that's irrelevant to U.S. policy? I think it's a really good question. Like, hey, can you just tell me what's going to happen if you overthrow the Syrian government? Like, and don't ask us to condemn anyone. Just, like, straight up, what's going to happen? Like, what's the alternative? And instead of answering that question, people did exactly what Katie asked them not to do, which was to be like, condemn Rania. Why can't you condemn Assad? Like repeatedly over and over again. And what's funny about all this is like, we talked about this on the show before. I hate to just continue to say it, but like, I don't know how many times I have to like say, I don't like the Syrian government and they do bad things before it's like, that it becomes acceptable. It's like, it's like the whole idea of you have to condemn Assad, you have to condemn the Syrian government, is to literally take up all the time doing that so that you can't talk about why it's a bad idea for the U.S. to overthrow another government in the Middle East. Uh, we did That's the, show the whole with, purpose of that. We did the show with Jana, and uh, she was uh, talking about... Uh, we, we invited her to talk about the regime and, and how it's it targeted people and, and how... Yeah. It, like, doesn't matter. That's one thing I've noticed, yeah. too, is, like, it doesn't matter how many of your articles you open with the Syrian government has committed crimes. Like, it doesn't matter how often, you how many times you say it, how many times you condemn. It does not matter. Like, it doesn't make one bit of a difference. You will still be called an Assadist. <laughs> and, and, I mean, maybe at one point I, I naively believed I could, if I just qualified everything I say about Syria with, like, a reminder that I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of the Syrian government, that that would be like, okay, it's cool. Like people will understand and actually hear what I'm saying, but it doesn't matter. These trolls will still come after you. Like, well, so specifically like Molly Crabapple, who, you know, we, we did once have her on our show. She's not ever coming back again, but like, I condemn, I condemn that. I condemn Molly Crabapple. <laughs> we, we're considering <laughs> just expunging it from our archives, so... No, no, that wouldn't be right, because people should be able to see that, like, it's okay to, like, be wrong about things and then evolve on them later. Yeah, true. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, she, like, says that you're, like, 
uh, defending the arresting and torturing and and, and uh, imprisonment of of people and and like I guess the mass killing by. Assad. You know, she's she's probably talking about the episode we had a few weeks back when we spent the whole episode basically whitewashing all of the things she just mentioned. Exactly. Remember that episode? Remember that yeah. episode of the show where we were like, the Syrian government, we spent the whole time saying the Syrian government doesn't torture anyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, one of my favorite episodes was when we just went into, like, the myth of Bashar al-Assad's barrel bombs. Well, I remember, no, like, I mean, my one of my, that was actually one of my favorite, favorite episodes is when we, it was like an ode to Bashar al-Assad, who, by the way, I have posters of, like, hanging in my room. Like, like most people, right? You have posters of, right? I, well, no, I have a wine glass, because we, <laughs> I got to go over, you don't know this, I never talked about this on the show, but, like, I just make secret trips to Damascus, and I don't even tell anybody that I've gone to Damascus, and then, and then I, I feel bad because I didn't like stop over to see you, but I didn't want to make life any uh, worse for you. I understand. I mean, you were hanging out at the presidential palace yeah. with your good friend Bashar al-Assad. I had he, my credential uh, from Sputnik, <laughs> and yes, I just, yeah, I just like I showed it to all of Assad's people, and he knows when you see the Sputnik, you know that like. That's like a free pass to get into any part of the palace. Well, you know, I, I mean, you should next time you go, you should join me because usually what I do when I'm in Syria or the Middle East more generally is I recruit for the bath party, <laughs> which I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> I mean, it's really and speaking of, you can go to www.bath.com um, and sign up to receive email alerts on how awesome the bath party and Bashar al-Assad are. <laughs> But, you know, so like Katie then said, the idea that people like Rania are emboldening Assad or influencing foreign policy is ridiculous. And focusing on her is a great way to distract from the fact that bombing Syria and removing Assad, who's bad, will kill more civilians, you know, in reference like Iraq and ISIS. And so uh, I think that, like, you know, she did a good job of actually fending off the trolls. And I think that, like, you do a good job of just kind of like taking this on and and not letting it completely get you down because it's just it's just ridiculous. And I saw a few people like Aaron Mate, who was on our show a few weeks back, just demanding sources from some of these people. They make claims about your work, and I'll just say right now, like if anybody makes those kind of claims to me, I will be demanding to know what they're referencing because otherwise you're just making bullshit up out of thin air. Right. And that's oftentimes the case. That's why I really appreciate like Aaron always does that. That's Aaron's thing. Like he's just like, could you give me a source for that? Because people who are taken seriously, unfortunately, by too many idiots on on the Internet and in journalism will often make these insane claims like Rania defended like Rania defends massacring civilians. Rania like defends like war crimes, Rania whitewashes this, like, and they'll mention specific instances sometimes that never happened. Always, I mean, always it never happened. Like you cannot find a statement by me being like, woohoo, massacring civilians. Like that's never happened. Um, it's just, and so I do appreciate that, but I do want to read one of the comments that Katie got uh, because I think it's so just hilarious in its, in its stupidity. Um, and, uh, it's by Jill Filopovich, uh, <laughs> Hillary, like hardcore, up. yeah, hardcore Hillary Clinton supporter who basically called us all sexists for not supporting. Well, first off, does um, she know who you are? I mean, we used to follow each other on Twitter. Like, okay. I never, I've never met her, but yeah, she's aware of who I am. Um, 
I don't think she likes me anymore. Well, she just, <laughs> it's just what you're going to read here, it sounds like she goes above and beyond to not address you specifically. Oh, yeah, because she was responding to Katie's, um, to Katie's comment, which, um, but anyways, but I, I just, what she said was so fascinating. She goes, Katie, respectfully, why is this the standard? How is it so hard to say that Assad is a brutal war criminal who has slaughtered millions and also there are no easy solutions in Syria? Sorry, but it should not be hard to condemn Assad. That is the lowest of low bars. I'm going to repeat this one part. How is it so hard to say that Assad is a brutal war criminal who has slaughtered millions? Okay, <laughs> literally no one. I don't know, like, she just, like, pulled this out of her ass because millions of people have not been killed in this war. Like, the est last, I mean, the estimate that most people go by is 500,000. The UN stopped counting after 250,000 because it was just all of the sources counting the casualties were too unreliable and often lying and overinflating their death tolls um, on both sides. Uh and claiming everyone who was killed was civilians when a lot of times it was fighters. So anyways, the, the UN stopped counting years ago. The point is, is that no one, no outfit, no organization, not even the most pro-interventionist voices have made the claim that millions have been slaughtered in Syria. Um, and then when I pointed this out, all these trolls were like, well, so what if she said millions? You're still avoiding the topic, condemn Assad. I'm just like, oh my God, like you can't, like, you, it's like, on the other side, you can just lie and pull shit out of your ass um, and make these, like, outlandish claims. And it's okay. But, like, if you point that out, you're an Assadist. Like, it's like, do you see the pattern here? You can't win with these people. You just cannot win. There's no pleasing them. And that's the point, because all of this is just meant to, like, not just distract. I mean, so a lot of this has to do, I think, with people trying to brand themselves and get attention. You know, like, I'm, I oppose Assad. I'm, I'm a good left, you know? Um, I'm the good kind. But then the other whole purpose of this is to just shut down the conversation around Syria about, like, the nuances and why the U.S. like really screwed that country up and why we shouldn't be intervening there. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't work as well as it used to, but, man, these people are committed. I'll give them that. Like, they are committed and determined. <laughs> okay, well... Um, again, uh, thank you everyone who continues to like support the show because it gives you an important outlet to, uh, address your, I suppose, for lack of a better word, haters and, and, <laughs> and, uh, and I did want to say before we got into some more of the stuff that we wanted to do for this show, uh, that we're really grateful for Scott, Fred, Roxanne, Marco, Ted, William, Elaine, and Matthew, um, uh, all of you, uh, became supporters of the show in the past month and made pledges. So Yay, thank you. Thank you guys. And, uh, we are really glad to have you and, uh, I've got more bags, uh, that are going out in the mail. Um, we, uh, we saw, uh, that, uh, person re received the bag was really excited to get the bag. Some of you have been really happy to get the bags. So, uh, we're glad that you like the swag. It's a great looking bag, and I loved that photo that was posted. It was so cute. <laughs> so, uh, moving to something that has uh, amused me um, is it, what's been going on with Joy Reid, who is the MSNBC. the Glenn the Glenn Beck of MSNBC. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so. Uh, First, uh, I've been following this more closely than Rania, so my, my challenge for this part of the show 
is to convince Rania that this is as uh, amazing and amusing as as I believe it to be. Uh, you you just saw it going on and you were like, oh, it's joy. It's just this is what joy does. And <laughs> and, uh, and and meanwhile, I've been like, this is amazing. Like, how could you be? so stupid like how could you just every turn continue to keep making the same dumb mistakes and some of them are actually more stupid than the mistakes you made previously and is anybody helping joy at all with crisis management because so can i tell you can i tell you like the impression of what i got that happened well first let me just make sure people know what we're talking about so that's why yeah okay there we go that's why i just just want to make sure that people know what we're, we're we're saying so i've got the uh, uh, so basically what happened with joy is she was, acu- uh, she posted homophobic blog posts. Uh, this is a blog. I believe it goes back all the way to the late two thousands. Uh, this is material. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. This is material back when Barack Obama was running for president or specifically, um, I think it involved, um, like Charlie Crist was the Republican governor, um, mm-hmm. and uh, she had referred to him as Miss Charlie, um, and uh, talked about him as if he was secretly gay or had spent his honeymoon wishing he could be with men, uh, things things like that. Um, and there's 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 further sorry further homophobic blog posts that were dug up. These were found through something. It's it's the web archiving site, the Wayback Machine, sometimes just known as the Internet Archive. And there were things where she was mocking gay celebrities like Anderson Cooper and Clay Aiken. Uh, but again, she also did things like listing off, um, you know, uh, this uh, user, um, Twitter user Jamie underscore Moz um, put together a whole a full thread, um, and he uh, she she did things that like just used like bro back broke back mountain references in ways that like you would think only like conservative or like Fox news people would do. She put things like top five, totally not gay celebrities of the year, like claiming to like out people who weren't out. Um, she, uh, you know, she had a nickname for Carl Rove, uh, suggesting he was like a leader of the gay Republican mafia, um again like things uh, usually it was de- directed at conservatives and you would think like it was about their hypocrisy and how they were opposed to gay marriage or opposed to uh people like that but in fact this was like a thing where she was really just lobbing slurs at people um or downplaying the extent to which people were homophobic and you know, even went so far as to defend Barack Obama when he was making overtures to people like Rick Warren and other evangelicals ahead of his inauguration um, and said that, like, yeah, you needed to reach out to those people, even though they're hateful towards gay and lesbian people. So it's just like, you know, th- this was this was what she was doing at her site more than 10 years ago. And the screenshots are here to prove that they were happening. Now go ahead. You can say what you were going to say. No, 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 no. I'm actually, I'm just like listening to what you're going through. Cause I, I didn't, I mean, I, I know people have been following the joy read stuff very closely, 
all week, but I've sort of just like stayed out of it because I'm not a fan and I, I guess I, I didn't realize how entertaining it was. <laughs> so when Bush nominated, it wasn't, wasn't a big issue. Was that like, she initially like apologized um, and said her, her, her views have evolved. But then a lot of these worst kind of things that she wrote came out months later, which is now recently. Yeah. Uh, and now she was claiming she was hacked. Yes. Yeah, so the daily beast hit her. Well, oh no, sorry. Not the daily beast. The media. I, she, she's actually a columnist at the daily beast. Um, and so, Oh yeah. Her columns there. I recall from my, during the Bernie Hillary campaigns <laughs> were constantly just like berating Bernie Sanders supporters as being racists. Exactly. Anyways. Okay. And so, and uh, and so, uh, you know, she has these posts. I'm going to just read a couple more. Like, she suggested that Harriet Myers, when she was nominated for Supreme Court, was a lesbian. Um, and then mocked the lesbian haircuts of the directors of the National Organization for Women and GLAAD, which are both LGBTQ rights organizations to some extent. Mm. Uh, and, again, um, you know, some of this stuff, like... I don't want to just solely indict Joy for. Uh, there's been a fair amount of like homophobia among liberals uh, in the last year when it comes to sometimes even drawing up graphics with like Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin actually like having sex with each other, <laughs> um, like real actual sex. Sometimes um, the the kind that like is actually very offensive or like. One is like doing one, uh, like like one is actually being raped by the other. Things like yeah. that. Yeah, he's uh, like ha ha ha, I own you, bitch. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and so she's by far not the only liberal who would engage in this kind of uh, of, of of writing. The thing that's remarkable though is that like now she has these posts brought to her attention by uh, Mediaite once again. I think was the one that that, that decided to do a story about these. And she says that she was hacked. And she says that she, um, you know, like, like these posts apparently weren't written by her. Like all of them could not possibly have been written by me. Um, and that somebody has planted these there. And meanwhile, she does something with her website so that the Wayback Machine can no longer crawl her website and add these to the archive. And so they're no longer accessible at the Wayback Machine site anymore, even though everyone yeah. in the day of social media has screenshots of all of this stuff. But you can't actually physically go see the material. And it gets better. So she hired somebody. She hired a cybersecurity... I don't know if you know this part of the story. She hired a cybersecurity expert to go out and tell people that that what she was saying, like that to, to, to tell the people that the hacking could possibly be true, like to, to make the case that she was hacked. And this person, Jonathan Nichols, a so-called cybersecurity expert who Joy hired to make the argument that these posts were fabricated, once was known um, uh, to be uh, someone who bragged about knowing the prominent white supremacist hacker known as Andrew Weave Arnheimer. 
I don't know if you've ever come across. Yeah, individual. yeah. He was defended by a lot of people, shockingly. Yeah, and like, he's kind of a, you know, not not kind of. He's a, like, 110% provo- provocateur. He's like a Nazi. Yeah, he's a Nazi. Actual... But, but the thing is that, like, he thinks it's fun to be a Nazi because you can make people upset about you being a Nazi. That's, right. That's how much... Uh, and, and like he will poke at you and be racist and homophobic and all this other stuff just because he wants to get your attention. Um, right. And, you know, he's he's not cashed in on it to the extent that maybe like someone like Milo has cashed in on it. But it's like that's what he wanted wants to do. That's part of his identity. And this guy, apparently, Rania, they were able to dig up had defended had had def- had had bragged about being like friends with weave <laughs> it's amazing and wow. then and then you know to make matters worse here you know not not only has she gone back and made it impossible for people to access these posts which would seem to be some kind of admission uh that 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 yeah you know if they're fabricated then just like leave them up there, share them, show people that like, look, somebody made this stuff up about me. No, now you're making it harder for people to access it. And then two, this guy, Jonathan locked his Twitter account. So media could not look at his tweets. Oh God. (laughs) And then it gets better uh, because at this point uh, she's had an award rescinded for, from an LGBT Q group that was going to give her some kind of recognition and at this moment um okay first off i just want to read you this amazing tweet it comes from a guy uh joe bernstein who is a reporter for buzzfeed news and he he tweeted this out a source close to joy and reed tells me they believe she believes she was hacked but knowing joy the source tells me that doesn't necessarily mean she really was. <laughs> Knowing Joy, oh my god. Knowing her, it's likely a lie because she's a fucking liar. Okay. Or the it's other much- possibility is that she's so dumb to not even understand how this works that this is she's not even recognizing the fact that it's like, impossible. She's not consulting people to help with like public relations disasters. I don't know. But at this point Like she has the money to. I at mean, this point, as we record this show on April 26th, which is a Thursday, and a lot can happen in the next 48 hours, including her being told she can't go on air this weekend. If that yeah. happens, it'll be uh, incredible. Uh, and she did this <laughs> to herself because she handled it so 100% wrong. But the FBI is involved now, Rania. What? Yeah. The Why? FBI, uh, so this attorney who she's hired to represent her says, uh, we have received confirmation the FBI has opened an investigation into potential criminal activities surrounding several online accounts, including personal email and blog accounts belonging to Joy Ann Reed. Our, okay. Our own investigation and monitoring of the situation will continue in parallel, and we are cooperating with law enforcement as their investigation proceeds. Oh, my God. Give me a fucking break. So, wow. So she's gotten herself into more trouble. Um, and it's, it's incredible. And then, so, so the last thing I want to say here is, um, okay, here's another, oh, okay. So maybe you've heard this, 
uh, be before I get to, I want to I want to read some of the defenses of her, like an actual specific defense that uh, before we move on. But uh, one of the things people are saying is that you you can't really find any commentary on her homophobic posts. So it's like if she didn't she didn't get people riled up and offended when she put them up on her pages in 2008, then they're supposed to like not matter, I guess, <laughs> which is a really, yeah. Yeah. A, I guess that's the really odd thing because if I could be very, um, uh, just, just, just very like, um, I'll be, a, I have the words like bombastic about this or, 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 or over overblown. If I said, kill all the Jews and I had written that on my blog somewhere in like 2010 and somebody found it but nobody ever read my blog that doesn't mean that like I'm off the hook for anti-semitism I was anti-semitic I would be in trouble so it's right. just like you can't claim because nobody ever saw that you said a homophobic thing that you weren't homophobic but whatever so anyways it's actually not true because people and the power of the internet that so many just don't understand went to this forum called Democratic Underground and found people criticizing her comments back in 2007. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So, there you go. So let's just, uh, th uh, through this show, put that to, uh, to rest. And, um, and part of the reason why we're spending time on these people is because they are... These, this crowd of people, they are so insistent of holding other people accountable. And at this moment, when they should just admit what they've done and just hold and just accept accountability, they can't do it. They just, they just can't do it. And so you have Joan Walsh, at uh, who is an MSNBC contributor. She put out this defense. So many people know I am close friends with Joy. Few of you know I was the first person to publish her roughly 18 years ago. We didn't meet for at least a dozen years. At Salon, I kept track of her work and read her blog, The Read Report. After that, in 2008, when she started our blogging platform, Open Salon, we asked our favorite contributors who had blogs to cross-post with us. Joy did so and was immediately a huge hit. Our editors monitored The Read Report to see if she posted anything we wanted. Sometimes we'd nudge her to cross-post, and she did. Obviously, none of us ever saw the kinds of homophobic posts she's now accused of if we had we'd have stopped publishing her. Interestingly, no one has come forward and said that they read any of this garbage in real time. Oh, hey, that Joy Reid was a real nightmare. Can't believe she got published. Also, to my knowledge, the offensive posts had no comments on them, while the post she acknowledges had some lively comments debates, and debates. Uh, now, can I claim I read every word she posted? Of course not, but I did read it enough to know that she did not regularly reflect the attitudes she's accused of here. Maybe most important, I write this to say, I followed Joy's writing for 17 years. She did not appear out of nowhere to me and wind up with a television show. Some of her critics imply that, which only shows her own isolation. Because let's be honest, too often a great black writer seems to appear out of nowhere. Sometimes it makes them vulnerable to criticism. Sometimes it makes them just magical. Those of us who followed the politics of race, class, and gender more than a decade ago know Joy Reid. Okay, anyways. Um, uh, she's basically saying she can't really say that none of these posts were ever put up there, but that basically it doesn't matter because during her time at Open Salon, she never saw these kinds of posts from Joy Reid. But it's, in, it's incredible to me because like typically 
if they were in our position, there's no way that they would be as skeptical as they are now. Like, there's no way that they would give uh, any, any like, credibility to, like, okay, well, let's wait and see. Could this be true? Yeah. No, they wouldn't. In fact, they would, like, condemn you for not condemning her. Um, and, and anyway, so um, we, can, we, we can move on. But I did, I did want to say that I just think the reason why Joy is engaged in this kind of behavior, in my view, is, and why she won't just take responsibility is she knows that there's a culture around here where when you do this sort of thing, you become persona non grata and you're not allowed to be on TV anymore because you're the homophobe. So you can't be on television anymore because then you'll be known and criticized regularly for having homophobic views that you won't just confront and say, I've changed. I don't have those views anymore. Or when they're found, you won't just say, okay, yeah, you're right. You found those. Those are ugly. Um, you make up some story about being hacked. That doesn't make any sense, which actually the, <laughs> da the Daily Beast is now going to investigate her and she's been suspended as far as her column goes. So she, you know, she keeps getting herself in more trouble, it would seem, by not being forthright. And I think she's afraid that she's going to lose everything that she's done. And to that, I would say that's a larger cultural issue that we have to deal with because I don't know that I think it, it, it depends but I don't know that across the board in 100% of these cases, people should no longer be able to do journalism work or whatever if they've committed these kinds of transgressions. I mean, I think a person can change. You can have rehabilitation. We talk about re restorative justice in our shows and, and in our work. And if that's to be applied, then people who do this kind of thing like Joy should be able to come back from it. But the thing is that they foster this climate where people can't come back at all. And so I know why she's doing all of this. It's getting her in trouble because she's afraid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just I think she's just really self-destructive, um, extremely self-destructive. I don't know how much longer you want to talk about her because I do want to note that this is like seems to be a pattern of like a fall from grace of Hillary Clinton's most staunch supporters. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's. Um, I don't know if we wanted to mention the fact that uh, Neera Tandon was c called out uh, this past week because during a meeting, uh, she outed uh, a person who's alleged harassment at the Center for American Progress. And, and again, like I can't imagine if that sort of a headline came out of the Bernie Sanders campaign, just how livid all the Clinton people would be that this was what was going on. And then now in this case... It's, you know, it's barely a scandal. Yeah, like, I mean, Neera Tandon was one of the most ardent Hillary Clinton trolls on the Twitter. Um, and her whole entire outfit, the Center for American Progress, was uh, used to, like, to, like, smear Bernie Sanders supporters as sexist. So, yeah, it's just, like, amazing that there's a sexual harassment scandal at, at the Center for American Progress. And she handles it by repeatedly outing the name of the victim repeatedly. And it made staffers so uncomfortable. They told. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I'm dumbfounded. I, the, the I, I suppose I shouldn't be by the like scale of, of hypocrisy, but I just, I can't imagine. And, and especially like just 
you know, if any men were doing that, it's like, kiss my future goodbye. I'm going to have to go work at a Dollar General somewhere. It's like... Well, not just that. It's like also the fact that it's not really gaining that much traction. Like, it's like it's not a big yeah. deal or something. Like, it's like Fox News has reported it, RT's mentioned it, and then BuzzFeed. But I mean... Like, it's not a scandal in D.C. It's like, ah, whatever. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess Me Too doesn't extend to that space, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know, sir, I, I know that, like, it's competing for attention with the fact that apparently Charlie Rose is going to come back and interview people who have been taken down by the Me Too. That's the way, the way it was billed, is that people taken down by the Me Too movement, the, the, uh, the men who no longer have jobs in media, I guess. Uh, but it's just like, really, if we can't, Why is talk, this about, not an issue? If we can't yeah. talk about her, I mean, what does that say about us? Anyways, uh, on a, on a much more serious note, before we move to, um, uh, our lighter bonus segment that we'll have for patrons. Uh, I did want to mention the fact that there is this authorized use for military force, that has been proposed by the uh, by by Senator Tim Kaine and then also Senator Bob Corker. There, uh, uh, Bob Corker is the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and they put together this thing that uh, says that they are going to uh, update the 2001 and 2002 authorized use uses of military force. So we had the one after the 9-11 attacks. And then there's the one after uh, the, the one that basically sanctioned or, or gave Congress's uh, approval for Bush to invade Iraq. And those have not been taken off the books. They're still there and they're used. They've been abused to justify targeted assassinations with drones under Obama. And uh, they continue to be twisted with uh with Trump claiming that it gives him the power to be involved in the Saudi's war, uh, the Saudi Arabian war against Yemen uh, that we are actively supporting. And so they put this forward because they saw what happened with the Syria strikes. Uh, and they said, okay, like we really have to do our job as Congress. Like, like again, it's, get, oh, man, it's that's really rough. <laughs> it's getting embarrassing. We're going to have to do something about this and uh you know to which i agree the only problem is what they put forward doesn't deal with the issue of stopping attacks on sovereign countries so there's that um which is yes it doesn't give the trump administration or any future administration power to attack uh, you know, regimes that pe that we, that we don't like, or it doesn't give us any. It doesn't get, grant the White House any greater power to just like go attack, you know, any country that 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 they you know they couldn't just, like start a war with Russia because uh, the the liberals wouldn't shut up and they were like, okay, we'll drop some bombs just to like appease you, but <laughs> but it, but it's just like. That's not part of this AUMF. It's specifically about the war on terrorism. And so uh, what it does, which is amazing to me, Rania, is it just it says that on January 22nd, 2020, 2022, every four years after, the president will submit 
a report on the use of military force that will include a proposal to repeal, modify, or leave in place the current AUMF. So, I don't know if you can tell from what I just read to you, but that says that we are creating a bureaucratic process for making sure that perpetual war goes on forever and ever and ever because, like, there's, there's no sunset clause in this. There's no, like, no idea that, hey, maybe this might end at some point. Even though the groups named are Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and then designated associated forces, there's nothing in this where it says that, like, Congress is going to do this to end this war. It basically sets up, as I described it, Congress is like the ultimate war clerk of our country where they just are like filing papers. That's a good way to put it. They're just filing papers and saying like, yep, yeah, okay. Did you make an argument for why we can bomb those people? You did? Okay. We approve you making those arguments to bomb those people. And uh, it's, uh, you know, they... Tim Kaine claims he's ending the blank check for war. I mean, not not at all, because it's so easy. You can attack a new group. Um, like, you know, let's say, like, they want to... Maybe there's, like, a new splinter group off of, like, Al-Nusra that has, like, a completely new identity that ends up some in some country, and they decide they want to bomb uh, that, that, that group. Well, then... Uh, you know, they can add the name to the list, and in 48 hours, uh, they they can tell Congress that they've bombed those people, and it, they might have already started attacks on those people. It's too late, because Congress, you know, can't actually stop that from happening. Uh, the way that they've structured this, there's a continuum, and it's never disrupted. It's, it's never, you come to us, ask for permission, and then you start the war. It's never like, we the people approve of the war and then you go do it. It's yeah. completely inverted, which is not how it was ever supposed to be. Going back to like 1973, no matter how much of an empire we are, and again, I accept all of that. Everyone listening to the show who's going to tell me like, Kevin, we've meddled in countries for the last 125 years. Agree, agree, agree. But like we, you know, usually Congress would consent to some of this stuff. And it's it's not happening. And also, you have like the ability to really like add new countries very easily. Uh, and they already name Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, and Libya. But it's like it'd be easy to add new countries. Uh, and for the first time, yes, they do name the groups. You know, I don't know if you remember, but like we made uh, jokes probably before about how Obama used to always say like associated forces. And mm-hmm. like twist it around. So for the first time, they do name what the associated forces are, and Congress will. But again, that's like good clerking, right? Good, good clerking, Congress, to make Trump name those groups and not keep them secret. But it still doesn't change that we are engaged in perpetual war. <laughs> yeah, at this point, it's like permanent war, and like it's so normal, no one really questions it. Oh, and finally, the thing that I notice that uh, is is just a total uh, like. Uh, total effort to stomp, stomp out, out anything that Chris Murphy, Mike Lee, or Bernie Sanders might try with Yemen. They grandfathered in the war. They want to grandfather in the war in Yemen. It doesn't make sense. Um, they, they like, they're not even going to do like an authorized use of force for the country. They just are like going to add it in there and just say that like, we granted you power a long time ago to be at war in Yemen. God, Jesus is, fucking Christ. It never happened. 
Uh, and I think, you know, I just, I do, I do, there, there's very, very few people who like will do what they should do in Congress. And Barbara Lee has actually been a consistent person who stands up to this bullshit. And, you know, she again says that uh, this, um, you know, and, and she was the only vote back in 2001 against the AUMF that came out after the 9-11 attacks. Um, I and, remember that, yeah. Yeah. Like iconic speech. And so uh, she says, rather than reigning in the Trump administration's blank check for war, the Corker-Kane AUMF would continue all current military operations, allow any president to unilaterally expand our wars, and effectively consent to endless war by omitting any sunset date or geographic constraints for ongoing operations. And then something I haven't said yet, this legislation also further limits Congress's role in war making by requiring a veto-proof majority to block military <laughs> action from the president. Wow. All right. That, you know, I wish that like these kinds of things, instead of applying to war, applied to like blank checks for like Medicare or something. Yeah, it would be great. Or like if Social we Security. Have... I agree. Or yeah. like, well, like college, you know, free college. Like, here's a blank check. <laughs> you know, that would be so much cooler than this. I'd like a, I'd like a requirement <laughs> that you can't change Medicare or Social Security if you don't have a veto proof majority. That'd be nice. Right? That'd be yeah. so good. But no, instead, it's like used for war. <laughs> like, no. We must stop. We must drop the bombs. If they stop falling, the identity Ugh. of this country will fall apart. So you don't. That, that is true. The identity. I mean, like Brian Williams would like be really sad. He wouldn't have anything to <laughs> these beautiful to bombs. like inspire. Yeah, to like inspire him and make him all starry eyed. <laughs> all right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say? Um, we'll wrap this up and do the 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 last segment for our patrons. Which um, the segment that we're going to do for our patrons is basically to try to recruit them, recruit them to the bath party. Um, oh, well, that's, I assume that's why we're making it pri like exclusive. Like you have to. Yeah, it's like an exclusive to recruit them to the Syrian army. Actually, the reason why <laughs> we're doing more patron exclusives is just to say pro Assad propaganda. Yeah, yeah. That's why you can't find any proof of me saying it because it's all on the patron exclusives. You would have to pay money to us <laughs> yeah. to unlock it and then you could quote it back at Rania and it would sink her career. So yeah, I'm not telling you, you I'm not telling you that you should do that but I'm saying that like if you really want to Become a patron Rania, if you really want to get me. Give us money and then uh, it might go a long way towards helping you make your baseless case against Rania being a journalist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that does it for this part of the show. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be back again soon with another episode.